Thank you, Jesus. For your love. Nehemiah, the sixth chapter. You remain standing for the reading of God's word. For your love. Love, 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 love. For God so loved. Not just God loved, so loved. Love. I mentioned before that whenever I see the Cross on the Switchblade movie, which is our roots, Victor Rich's roots, I mentioned many times that when David Wilkerson there, played by Pat Boone, is giving the, the sermon at the end of the movie, he says, love is the gutsiest word in the English language. And it is. It takes a lot of guts to love. A lot of courage. We covered courage here this morning. And that's really what it's all about. And I was asking God what sermon, how, what I should bring forth for tonight. And it's, it's very vital, very important. Of course, we've been teaching from God's word. We've been at having admonitions and, 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 you know, expositions from God's word. But we always need to keep in mind what, why, you know, uh, God's word is there for. It's there for us to propagate his gospel. Propagate is a word that some of you might not quite understand. But maybe you can understand it like this, some of you. It's to push. Got any ex-pushers here? You know what you guys were? In the business realm, you were propagators. You were propagating uh, illegal substance. Uh, well, that's a propagate. In other words, we got to push the gospel. We got to go out and propagate it into all the world. And love should constrain us. The love of God should motivate us. There should be something in here that can't keep us still. We're going to be talking about a man like that here today, Nehemiah. And also the Apostle Paul, who couldn't be still. Uh, I mean, he had to, you know, uh, he is not, was not ashamed of the gospel, the Apostle Paul. He says, man, i got to preach the gospel. You know what Paul even says? He says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. Paul also had the office of a prophet. He was a prophet as well. And so what Paul is doing as being prophetic, being a prophet, he's putting a curse on himself. You know how prophets would come in, in the Old Testament and come against the city of Nineveh, come against the city of Ali. That's what prophets would do. They'd come and they'd come against different things that were happening, being prophetic. Well, Paul is coming and he's prophesying against himself. Uh, in other words, cursed is me, woe is me. I'm prophesying against myself if I don't preach the gospel. Woe is me. Huh? He says, no, 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 I got to do what God's called me to do. And the same thing with us. We don't want to be cursed, we want to be blessed. And so we're going to be covering, in a sense... The vision of our ministry that God has given us through the biblical context here of Nehemiah chapter 6. Let's begin reading in verse 1. It says there, when word came to Sambalat, Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies, and I had what? Rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. Though up to that time I had not set the doors and the gates, Sambalat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of what? Oh no. And what did he tell him? Oh no. Oh no, I ain't going to oh no. The name is all that it applies. It's self-sufficient. Oh no, I ain't going. Huh? But they were what? Scheming or planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great work or project and cannot go down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you rumpkins, more or less? Huh? Four times they sent me the same message, and each time I gave them back the same answer. Then, the fifth time, Samuelan sent his aid to me with the same message, and in his hand was an unsealed letter on which was written. It is reported among the nations, and Geshem says, It is true 
that you, Nehemiah, and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king, and have been appointed, and have appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. Now there is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come, let us confer together. Look at verse 11. One of my favorite verses in all of scripture, verse 11. But I said, should such a man as I run, or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? Oh, no. Are you talking to me? Uh, Sam, Balad, and Tobiah. Father, I pray that you would talk to us here today. Lord God, I've put this on paper. But Lord, you know my heart. And I pray that we would be able to convey this to your people. That we would be able to rise up for such a time as this. And convey your word to a hurting, needy world. To be willing to stand in the gap. To have the heart and the mind, the knowledge and the insight, the wisdom. But also the heart of a Nehemiah. I ask this, knowing you're a God that answers prayer in Jesus' name. Everyone together said, yeah. amen. You may be seated. I've mentioned before, and I want to bring it out here again, because I was thinking of a good beginning or an intro here for the sermon. And it's a little, how could you say, not a joke, but a little saying. A uh, little, uh, little quiz, maybe. But it says, why did the cannibal commit suicide? Because he was fed up with people. I've had it up to here. <laughs> I like that one. Why did a cannibal commit suicide? He was fed up with people. Uh, and sometimes in ministry and in leadership, you want to be a cannibal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, you can get like this. You can get fed up. Man, look at the man. I did all this for her. I did all that for him. And look what happened over here. Uh, and that happens. You pour your heart out. You give everything you, you've got to people. And, you know, those things happen. Uh, but hey, if you're going to be involved in ministry, and a lot of this has to do with leadership and ministry, and uh, 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 I know that some of you are new, maybe, but hey, God's going to cost some of you to do, I mean, there's so much work to do anyways. Uh, and so we need to understand some of these principles we're going to be bringing out here from God's Word, dealing with the life of Nehemiah tonight. It can, it can help you. If you're married, especially for you husbands, you can learn a lot here today. Uh, if you're a wife sitting next to your husband, go like this. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. Uh, <clears throat> hallelujah. But it works vice versa. Hallelujah. Uh, that there's some leadership principles that you can apply in your household and also in your ministry that we're going to bring out here today. Okay? The title of my sermon, and I gave this some thought, and I don't know how, I just at the very end I got it. It's this. Hopefully I remember. I didn't write it down. Jack and Jill should be on the hill still. Oh, I like that one, huh? And you'll find out why at the end. I like the title now. Uh, but you'll see that, you know, I always want to make sure that it applies to my sermon. Jack and Jill should be on the hill still. And they will. I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. I'm going on. I'm adding to the title. Now, in 1976, a coach uh, by the name of Johnny Majors, he's gone on now and hopefully to be with the Lord. I remember when he passed away recently. But he led the Pittsburgh Panthers, the college team, to an undefeated season in 1976. They had the number one ranking. He also had been very, very successful as a coach at Iowa State, okay, sometime before that time as well. So his old alma mater, the school that he had attended, Tennessee, that what they did is they, they called him 
Okay, and they wanted to try and hire him. So they had to fire a man by the name of Bill Battle, who was a coach at that time. And so they had to work it out how to, to fire Bill Battle and hire their ex-alma mater, guy that attended their school, a man by the name of Johnny Majors. And they worked it all out. It worked out. You know, they did money talks, or no, money yells. Uh, money, doesn't it? And so back in 76, I mean, you know, a dollar was a dollar, and a dollar could holler. Because uh, money yells. Uh, so they worked it out financially to Tennessee to be able to get Johnny Majors to come and be their coach. Okay? Now, what they wanted him to do once they hired him, okay, was to rebuild their team. Uh, you know, to rebuild it into a, to a winner. But Johnny Majors found out, like anybody else, okay, that rebuilding is not, is not all that easy. To rebuild is not easy. Nehemiah was called to rebuild the walls. Victory Outreach has been called to go into the every, 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 every inner city of the world. You read our mission statement. We're not just talking outside of our neck. It says, into every inner city and major city of this planet and help rebuild the walls. That's what we're called to do. Now, I know some of you didn't grow up in the inner city. God bless you and God be with you. But if God has brought you here, that's what God has called to do. It's a very chivalrous call. Uh, it's a call and a purpose worth living for and worth taking a bullet for. It's worth dying for, our ministry, though, we're called to do. But we're called to go to the inner cities and rebuild the walls. And just like Johnny Majors found out, just like Nehemiah found out, and just like you and I, most of us that have been around a while, we know, and those of you that are younger in the Lord, you're going to find out it's not that easy uh, to rebuild. Not at all. Now, Nehemiah had to go through changes. Uh, how many know that we're going to have to go through changes? Uh, whenever we're going to do things like this. Oh, I'm glad I put on my glasses. I didn't want to miss this one. Uh, you know, in my house, God's blessed me with a nice house, right? Uh, and you guys bought me a nice car. Salute you. Uh, but many times, the men's home comes and they're helping to clean my house. You guys can close your ears right now. I'm just kidding. And I check out, check, check them out. I know, I know that they're checking me out, but I'm checking you out. You don't think I am, but I'm checking you guys out. <laughs> don't look over there, girls, because you're cleaning the inside of my house. I'm checking you out, too. Uh, I had one girl say, I finally got to meet the pastor, but I'd already met you with my eyes, sister. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're back. Uh, because they do, you know, all these things, but they think none of them. Listen, I'm a next drug addict. I, can, I, I check things out. But one day, one of the guys said, it wasn't, it wasn't this crop. <laughs> so don't go looking. I wonder who it was, but I'm going to put a contract on the dude, you know? No, 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 no. That's no big thing anyways. Uh, but one of the guys says, he, he was checking out, you know, what, the way, things that I would do. And one day, it was in a church service. He goes, you know, I think after he heard me preach too. He goes, I'd sure like to do what you do. But he said it with that, like, you know, that thing, like, where it's easy to read between the lines. Like, wow, look at you. Big old office, big old car, big old church. You get to speak sermons. Like if it's real easy, they don't, you know. Like oh, you get to do all these things. Boy, I'd sure like to do what you do. And I told him, you can't. You can do what I do as long as you learn to do what I did. Ah, you can do what I do, but you're going to you're gonna have to do what I did. And I went through the home 26 and a half months. That's just the beginning, huh? That's just the beginning. I mean, remember my, my, my little nephew, Gabriel? 
When he came, the very same thing. When he came and stayed with us for a year, a little over a year, about a year and a half. He, he looked at her, he looked at the chair, checking out. He go, man, he opened the refrigerator, there was food in there. He go, wow. Ah, wow. It was cool. And then he'd see all that, and, and he says, man, uncle. Oh, man. He, he was, like, messing with me because his, his dad raised him up to be a river, you know. Uh, and he was, like, trying to river. Man, uncle, you got it pretty easy, man. I'd like to be a preacher like you. Look at this. Ooh, easy for you to praise the Lord. Uh, he just got into our house. The next day, the next day, this is the truth. I got up in the morning, and I told him, okay, Gabriel, pack your things. What, uncle? Me, come on, me, you want to do what I do? Come on, I'm going to take you to the home. And I'll pick you up in 26 and a half months. Uh, you want to do what I do? If you want to do what I do, you got to do, do what I did. He says, Uncle, I just want to graduate from high school. <laughs> all right, all right. It's a pretty good, pretty good you know, desire. All right, you know, stay here. Because they were trying to mess with us over here. They want to mess with me. I'll mess with you too. Uh. <laughs> but many times it's not easy to rebuild. See, Nehemiah had to go through changes. And you've got to do that. First of all, the Bible says he was deported at a very young age from Judah to Babylon. He had to endure under terrible, a terrible kingly regime, okay? The king that he had to serve under, you know, uh, Nebuchadnezzar was a terrible king. He had to go through all that. It wasn't easy what he had to do. Then, after he was serving under this king, then comes a new king. Guess who this new king was? Look at Ezra chapter 1. Ezra chapter 1. Ezra is just before Nehemiah. Look at who this king was. Ezra, right before the book, before Nehemiah, chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. This is what King, who? Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. Any one of his people among you, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem. And the people of any place where survivors may now be living are to provide to him with silver and gold and goods and livestock and with free will offerings for the temple of God in Jerusalem. Then the family heads of Judah and Benjamin and the priests of the Levites, everyone whose heart God had moved, everyone whose heart God had moved, prepared to go up and build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. All their neighbors assisted them with the articles of silver, gold and goods of livestock and valuable gifts in addition to all the free will offerings. Moreover, King Cyrus brought out the articles belonging to the temple of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and had placed in the temple of God. Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought. Okay? Now, that might not mean a lot to you right now. But King Cyrus is the man that Isaiah prophesied over and gave him Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. That's the king. Uh, so that has a lot of meaning for victory outreach. Because Isaiah 45, 2 and 3 are the scriptures that Dick Mills, God used Dick Mills to prophesy over Pastor Sonny when he wanted to throw in the towel uh, that God was going to give him treasures out of darkness. But that original prophecy was given not to Pastor Sonny. It was given to King Cyrus. And King Cyrus was not a Jew. He was an outsider. He was a foreigner. Okay, he was outside of Christianity, so to speak. He wasn't a Christian, so to speak. But God gave him because he had a heart after God. This is the king 
that God used. And then also, not only this king, the next king. I have trouble enunciating this name. Artaxerxes. Uh, Artaxerxes. King Cyrus and that king. Uh, Artaxerxes. Uh, what a name. Uh, but that's the kings that Nehemiah had to, had to uh, rebuild the temple and the walls under. See, the key that Nehemiah, the key thing that Nehemiah was able to do was to bend and not to break. Nehemiah, under these, you know, terrible, terrible, uh, uh, you know, how could you say, pressures that he was under in the beginning, he didn't break. He was a word called docile. I remember in English, I got like, you know, B's and C's, but I remember that word docile, it hit me. I guess because it rhymed with crocodile or something, you know, docile. It means the ability to bend but not break. And that's the way Nehemiah was, okay? He, he learned to adapt. And anybody, any minister worth his salt, any minister worth his weight is going to learn to adapt. You've got to learn to go with the flow. Nehemiah had that ability. He, had, he, he learned how to adapt. He learned how to go with the flow. He learned it as a, as a young person. Uh, and it's invaluable if you want to be in all the ministry, if you learn to adapt. Look at Romans 12, verse 16. Romans 12, verse 16. This has to do with adapting too and being docile and going with the flow. See, Nehemiah was able to bend and also to do what Paul's talking about here in Romans 12, 16. Do you have it? It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of no position. Do not be conceited. Now, that's the NIV. But it, it, the King James says, be willing to condescend. Condescend to people of no degree. That's quite a word. Con has to do with co. Co-descend. In other words, you go one way, you descend all the way to the pits of hell if you have to, to grab people out of it. And then you come back to where you were. Okay? And if you're going to be a minister worth your weight in salt, you're going to have to learn to adapt, to be docile, to go with the flow, and condescend to men of low degree. Like Kathy was talking about. Get in with the gang members. Get in with... If you can deal with a gang member, you can deal with anybody. Because on your way down, you're going to meet all kinds of people. But you're on your way down to the bullseye of Victory Outreach Ministry, the inner city. And if you can deal with inner city people, you can deal with anybody. Uh, I mean, hey, they dealt with me. I know you can deal with anybody. Um, that's why Paul says, condescend. Go down to where they're at, but don't stay there. I mean, it'd be too much if Pastor Steve was still, you know, walking like he used to walk. Would it be like, George, get brought back, get by. Amen. See you in church, but that. Uh, uh, I can't be doing that. Well, no. Now, I probably did that to George when I first got here years ago. Uh, but, not, not, but I didn't stay where he was at. Uh, you don't see a, a street tattooed on my chest. Hallelujah. Uh, you got to go down to where they're at, but don't stay there. You got to come back up and bring them up. Besides, drug addicts, they don't want to be like that. They, they've seen already it's too many. They want a change. They want to be different. And if you're different, that's what they want. Uh, see, Nehemiah, he was able to condescend and to be able to rebuild the walls, the Bible says, in only 52 days. Nehemiah went from cupbearer to contractor. That, that, that's a big statement, what I'm saying right now. He went from cupbearer, you know, like tasting the, the, the food of, of the king, Tasting the wine of the king to make sure that it wasn't poison. 
That's a job that he, it was a very lucrative job, really. Powerful job, powerful, important job. He went from cupbearer to contractor, to building, uh, to construction, uh, to, to carpentry. That's what he went. And that's quite a change. Not just anybody can do that. To go from a, a lucrative job, and all of a sudden now you've got to start using a hammer. Uh, if I had a hammer, I wouldn't know how to use it. Uh, no, I'd use it in the morning. You've got to learn how to do that thing. How do you do it? You learn to adapt. You've got to learn to go with the flow. That's what Nehemiah was able to do. Uh, how about Jesus? He left his throne in glory, and he condescended to men of low degree. He came all the way down to, to us. He paid us a home visit. He came down to where we lived, and he helped us out. He gave us the, the, the plan of salvation. We've got to learn to do the same thing. See, while Johnny Majors, the coach of Tennessee, while he had big trouble going from Pittsburgh to Tennessee, Nehemiah was able to pull off this heavy transition from cupbearer to contractor. And that is a key to any person's life, the ability to make a transition successfully. Did you hear me? To be able to make a transition. Don't just try and, and, and be a, a one-talent kind of a person. What have I said before? We've got to learn to be Boy Scout nice kind of people. Uh, but many of us, you know, all we want to do is, oh, I'm going to be a preacher. I don't want to call down fire from heaven. Listen, you've got to learn how to get along with attorneys. You've got to learn how to get along with police officers. You've got to learn to get along with this stuff. Because if you're just going to be a, uh, you know, one kind of a, I'm a preacher, brother. Uh, what is a Boy Scout knife? A Boy Scout knife, you know, it's got that thing you hang it from here. And anytime you need a, 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 a knife, well, cutting edge. But if you need a comb... There it is. It's got a comb. Cookie, cookie, let me your comb. Heck no, go by your own. Hallelujah. That's a 50s joke. Hallelujah. Many of you won't remember that one. Uh, none of you probably will, you know. But if you need a hole punch, there it is. You need a scissors, there it is. But you've got to learn to adapt. You just can't be a one kind of a person. It's very important, especially us. We, we go to Manila. We go to the Orient. I mean, that's what God has called this church and this region too. Yes, to all parts of the world, but especially to Asia. And man, we got to learn to ask so. And amen as well. And we got to learn all these things. And we just go over there and try and be cholos. Can you imagine a, a cholo in Hong Kong? <laughs> ding, 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 ding. You know, man. No. <laughs> man. Uh. Shoot him on the spot, you know. Golly. Rice again? Yes, rice again. Uh, are you getting the message? We've got to learn to be all things to all men. That's what Paul was saying. Uh, see, Nehemiah was, was, was a very courageous and compassionate man, but he also was, had, had another C. Courage and compassion, but he also had consistency. Consi that's what the, the theme of the sermon is, to be consistent. Uh, Nehemiah had that inner dimension, that, that, that inner desire to, to see the job done till every final I was dotted and every T was crossed. He did it all. He had that consistency. He, he finished the job. He didn't just start it, he finished it. See, Nehemiah had a, had a goal. He had a vision. An inner drive that kept him going. But not only did he keep, you know, uh, you know did it keep him going, uh, but it also enabled him to change. He was able to change. And that's what you and I have to learn to do as well. To change and to go through changes. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I preached on this portion of scripture about five, six years ago in a New Year's. 
Second Corinthians chapter two, verse one. If you're new, Second Corinthians is right after First Corinthians. I'm a pastor. I gotta help. I gotta help you. Okay, Second Corinthians chapter two, verse one. You gotta be willing to change. Uh, so I made up my mind that I would not make another painful visit to you. In other words, Paul's really saying, listen, I changed my mind. I changed my mind that next time I come to you, I'm not going to be the same person you saw me as I was before. It's, I've changed my mind. I've made up my mind that next time you see me, I'm not going to be the Steve you knew before. I mean, really, that should even be me. Next time I get behind this pulpit, I should have evolved. I call it the wedge principle. I should grow and evolve and mature in the things of God. Now, yes, I'm always going to preach like this. I have that, you know, but I should be knowledge, more knowledgeable of God's word. I should change from week to week, uh, from month to month, day to day, as I study God's word. That's what Paul said. He said, I made up my mind. Next time you see me, I'm not going to be the same. That's the attitude we have to have as well, uh, especially for your family. Uh, my, I could dare say that most of you, when you first got saved, the family members that hadn't seen you like in about three months, and afterwards they saw you, right? I know they went like that. They're, the ones that didn't think they're cool. But they went like that in their heart. You know, I can imagine, oh my, what happened to this person? And really they get envious. They want to be like you. They say, what happened to him? What got into him? The Holy Ghost changed my life. What got into me? I'm no longer the same. Especially the guys in the home and the women in the home. I mean, they, they have some drastic changes. Is that you, homeboy? Well, I'm your homeboy, and yes, that's me, but I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Uh, the Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Is that English? Uh, yeah, it's old English from King James. Hallelujah. Uh, King James Version, old English. Uh, see, Paul didn't want to be the saint, and so did Nehemiah. That's the reason why he was willing to change, to leave his very lucrative lifestyle of being a cupbearer and become a contractor. Why? Not because of him, but because of the love of his people. He cared. He wanted to make a change in his society. And this man made a change. You and I, my friend, a lot is riding on our radios. A lot is riding on your change. You know how many people have sat in this, you know, this church here and that have listened to sermons like this throughout the years and have gone on to other stuff to bring changes? Not, my friend, not just to other cities, but different continents. Because they, they paid attention to sermons like this. That's what happened to me sitting under Pastor Sonny's ministry. I said, man, I, I want to make a change. But first, it's got to begin with us. And Paul says, I don't want to be the same person that I was before. Next time they see me, I want to blow their minds. Mm, and Paul did. But he left a lucrative lifestyle. Uh, how about Pastor Richard, the one in Manila? I mean, he, that guy's shaking a continent. Asia. A lot of people in Asia are starting to get to know about him. 700 Club covers him all the time. And it goes through all the 17 countries of Southeast Asia. This guy was... Uh, he was a regular cupbearer. He, he, he managed a jewelry store and he owned a daycare center. But the daycare center happened to be next door to our church. And he says he was a Christian, which he was. And he was going to some church, which he was. Then he, he formed a meeting to, to be with us and to meet with us because he wanted to, to, to join us as far as financially, you know, come in with us. And they were going to be bidding for, the, new, uh, for the, the site that we were in there in the school, the school site on Royal Avenue. So he wanted to merge with us and try and keep his lucrative lifestyle of daycare and, and be, because he loved kids, he loved children, and he wanted to help them out. 
Okay, so he met with us, and many of you know the story. And we were having a, a meeting, and we went to meet at El Rinconcito. You know, he, he, he came real, you know, with a suit. And those days, a lot of us didn't have suits. I had a suit, a few other people had the suits. But he came with a suit, and he said, oh. Then his brother had a suit. His sister-in-law had a dress. So they were real, you know, fancy-pancy, you know. And they said, can we have a meeting with you? I said, sure. When? Uh, well, right now, today. I said, sure. If you don't mind sitting in on our minister's meeting. Okay. Uh, and we had a meeting. I can't remember, you know. But then we talked with them as well, and we were trying to help them out. And then that was in between services on a Sunday morning. Then Sunday night, he's back in church. His sister-in-law and his brother didn't come back, but he did, and he never left. God touched his life. Then one day, he tells a story. He was, you know, he was the youngest uh, uh, store manager for the jewelry chain, uh, Crescent Jewelers, that he belonged to. He was the youngest manager, and they had given him the keys to a Mercedes. I mean, he was living real lucrative, like Nehemiah. And then one day, God told him. He was, he was going up First Street in San Jose, there at Crescent Jewelers. He was going to go make a deposit for finances there at the bank. And God told him, get on your knees right now and praise me. And if you've ever been at noon on 1st Street, 1st of Santa Clara Street in San Jose, you know what I'm talking about. And that's when God spoke to him. Uh, get on your knees right here and praise me. And then God tells him, because today, this will be your last deposit, today will be your last day at work. You're going to turn in the keys to the Mercedes and to the jewelry store and you're going to trust me. You're going to depend upon me for your meals. And he got on his knees, he says. Uh, he praised God. He worshiped God. He prayed. Then he got up, he says, and he walked into the store and he says there were people there that had walked by him. Uh, and then God told him, don't worry about it. It's probably the last time you're going to see him anyways. <laughs> you know? But what did God have in mind? He didn't know. He didn't know that Asia was before him. He spent a couple of years in Spain later on after I ever got touched. I remember the guy. Remember, some of you remember, we, we had a, a retreat. And you know, we've got retreats. We get real laid back. And we, of course, we get into God's word. The spirit of God moves. But we, we dress like, you know, T-shirts. And cutoffs and jeans and, you know, and, and tennies. And he came to the retreat. It was three days with seven suits. <laughs> I mean, when he came to the first service, he had a suit on. He went and he back to his room and he took off his tie, you know. Uh, but he, I mean, listen, he didn't know what God was going to do in his life. I remember he'd come, even before that, he would come from his job. He'd get off his job at 5 o'clock at George's Jewelers there in, 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 in San Jose. And he'd be at our office because he moved in next, across the street from us. Remember that? He got a rental house across the street from our office, across the street from our church. He'd get off work at 5 o'clock in the evening. At 5.05, he'd be in my office. He would sit on the desk. You know how Richard is. <laughs> ah, before he was married. Ah, and he'd take off his coat and be there. And I'd, I'd look at my wife, you know. I know what he would do. He'd be praying, oh, God, God, just give me 10 minutes of ministry. Give me 15 minutes of ministry. Just let them go along to you. Let them, I know it's a 9-to-5 job, but prolong it. Every day, you know it's not a 9-to-5 We'd, we'd close the office about 5.30, you know, 6 o'clock, and he'd be all happy. Ah, he'd just sit there. I'm not kidding you. I, I, I told my wife, who is he? <laughs> who is he? He's, that's the guy. That's, that's that guy. And he'd just be like eating it up. You need a ride? I'll give you a ride. Huh? 
I mean, he'd hung out and he got to meet Nikki Cruz and he was like, woo, he got to meet Sonny, woo, he was like, wow. Huh? But that was God's plan for his life, like Nehemiah. Uh, and you don't know what God has planned for you. And we need to understand that, but you need to learn to adapt, to be willing to change. Uh, see, because of the great need that Nehemiah saw, Nehemiah was willing to adapt and to stretch and to change his mentality. See, the walls had hit home with Nehemiah. In other words, the walls had hit home. Many of you heard me preach on the walls on Nehemiah, but I need to bring it out right now. What did it mean when the walls of a city were torn down? It meant the men of that city were lazy, careless. So what? All they wanted to do was hang out in the street corners and, you know, wave at the cars going by and whistle at the chicks. Hey, baby, baby. Uh, smoke their camels, kick back and throw dice and, you know, big six. And that's, you know, they were lazy. Uh, they, were, they were from the hood. They just wanted to kick back. But what that meant, many of you know, but some of you don't. We need to bring this up. It meant that the devil, the enemy, could come into your city and rape your wife and rape your daughters and take your children because you didn't have guts. The walls of that city were torn down for years. Jerusalem was a disgrace to Christianity. Jerusalem was a disgrace to the kingdom of God. For many years it was like that. Just like the inner cities of this world. I mean, can't, you can walk down the inner cities of this world and all you see is guys hanging on the corners doing all this stuff. They're not taking care of business. They're selfish. Nehemiah said, uh-uh. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Years ago, Dave Wilkerson said, no, it doesn't have to be like that. Gang members don't have to be shooting themselves. I'm going to go to New York. He encountered Nikki Cruz. He encountered Pastor Sonny. And 30-some odd years ago, Pastor Sonny said, no. Once a drug addict, always a drug addict is a lie. God changed my life. Can he change my life? He can change other people. It doesn't have to be like this. We can bring a change to society. Enough is enough, devil. Should such a man as I run? No. Read my hips. What does that mean? It means right here. I ain't going nowhere, bro. Right here. Try and get by me, devil. Ain't going to rape my daughter. She's going to grow up and sing for God someday. Both of them. Hallelujah. Both of them. Both of them. You heard Auntie Judy today. Hallelujah. Uh, yeah. My son's going to preach a gospel someday. Come on, mothers and fathers. Yes. Yes. See, that's what Nehemiah did. He was willing to stand in the gap. The walls hit home. To Nehemiah, what hits home to you? What gets your adrenaline going? What gets you righteously indignated that you want to make a difference and a change in society? You know, I didn't grow up to preaching like this, but I grew up to preaching. In the age of 5 to 12, and, and I soon, please remind me, I want to bring the man that was my pastor. Many of you don't know him, Marty Olivas. I want to fly him in here, and I want him to preach before he goes on to be with the Lord. He oversees the American Bible Society in the Spanish department. He was a Methodist, still is. He's a hot, hot, big shot in the Methodist denomination. But he hasn't died yet. I want to bring Marty here. Okay? He didn't preach with a fervor I preached, but, but his preaching got to me. When I was a little kid, it got to me. Okay? So I know what it's like to sit there and what preaching like this can do to people. 
to give you a purpose, to give you a reason for living. Ah, that's what got to Nehemiah. You don't understand that. Ah, see, the walls of Manila have been torn down, but they need to be rebuilt. The walls of A Street have been torn down, but they need to be rebuilt. Ah, and it's up to us to do that. How about Indonesia now? Do you watch the news? The men say, I'm, I'm in the men's on my cat. Well, listen, and you know the, the ties that we have, this church has with Indonesia. Uh, so we've had three of the top four pastors of that Feed Plaza church preach behind this pulpit. I have to email them tomorrow, find out what we can do, how we can pray, how we can help them. But the doors, God has opened a, an effectual, fervent door for us in Indonesia. I've been watching the news. A good friend of mine, a young, young man that I helped, that I preached to, uh, that was emailing me, had his head cut off before all this happened in East T Timor, before all that happened. He was praying with his father there and they chopped off his father's head and his head like that. Before all this thousands of people have died recently, that he was one of the first to go by preaching the gospel. Uh, but somebody's got to do something about it. You know what they're doing there? They're coming against the UN troops. All this, the Indonesians are mad. And they're saying that religion had a lot to do with it. So anybody that's a Christian or a Catholic, especially Catholic priests right now, and nuns, they're chopping off their heads. They're killing them. Uh, all behind a lie. And who is the father of all lies? See, these people, sometimes all the devil's got to do is give you one lie. When it comes to tithing, what does he tell you? All they want is their money. And he's got you. To these people in Indonesia, all he's got to say is, it was the religious folk. It's their fault. And they go for it. They, they believe it. So what, they feel they're doing a, a, a good thing by killing religious people. You're religious. Ah, you were against us. Ah. Ah, the lion devil. But so we got to learn to come up against him. Ah. Nehemiah had it in him to change and to adapt. So do a lot of us, but we got to be willing to do it. See, with Nehemiah, after he'd summoned up his courage, uh, once he'd prayed, and what he did is he displayed a life of consistency till the job was complete. They rebuilt the walls in 52 days. We've had a vision for this church for 18 years. Now it's finally come to pass. But there's more to do after this. But we got to be consistent. We got to see things through. So very vital, so very important. The key is, church, that God will, God will, hear me again, God will always provide for a man and a people and a church willing to respond in faith to his call. God will always do that. If he will, I mean, we did this 18 years ago, and look what God is able to do. And he's, this is just the beginning uh, of what God's going to do through our ministry here in Hayward. Uh, remember when Moses took the people out of Egypt and the people complained of, of having no food to eat there was no McDonald's uh, there was no Wendy's back then when the people got a Big Mac attack what could they do remember Moses brought the people out of Egypt and started complaining man no burritos well what did God do he gave him McManus uh, the original McBurger McManus and McManus stood for the promises of God The, the, the provision of God, El Shaddai. Because they branched out in faith. They left Egypt in faith. God will always provide for a people that launches out in faith. Always, always, always. I know who I work for. If we're willing to branch out in faith. Hey, it took us 18 years to get to this place. But he came through. Ah, he'll always come through if you launch out in faith. Let me go on here. Ah. See, church manna was God feeding faith to his people that depended upon him. 
the Jews were living on the edge. On the edge of survival. Yet God always came through, week to week, day by day. See, God chose the Jews, the Bible says, because they were the least of all the nations. Can Victory Average identify with that? Yeah. Like if I got the cooties. You know, it's just a demonstration of the power of God. That's all it is. But they don't know how to do it. Man, look at that. But God has chosen. Just like he chose the Jews, he chooses people. He knows what he's doing. God chooses who he uses. Ah, why? That he would be glorified. That's why he picked the Jews. They were the least of, the, of all the people. Ah, see, for people who live on the edge, only cutting-edge people can thrive under those circumstances. Not just survive, but thrive. Ah, and that's the same with us. I mean, I know because I help, well, I help run the church here. And I know the books. We live from week to week here. Uh, it's, we don't have an overflow of abundance of cash flow. Uh, I mean, it's week to W-E-A-K. Week to week sometimes. Uh, I mean, it, it gets weak sometimes. Uh, and it, it isn't either. That's the pressures. That's what I said. Why did the cannibal commit suicide? That happens. I mean, like, Archie's out of hey, we're doing real good. And all of a sudden, the finances, whoop, they go down, down, down. And they're on a slide. Uh, but hey, that, that's the cutting edge kind of people. We learn to thrive, not just survive uh, living on the edge. That's the way the Jews were. We weren't the first to do it. We're not, we won't be the last. Not a, that's Christianity at its, at its finest hour. Uh, when God always comes through. Uh, but how many know that He will? Yeah. He, he's going to do that. Uh, see, Nehemiah learned to improvise. To go with the flow until the job was done and complete. Remember, he had a job to do. He didn't go for the okey-doke when the enemies tried to, to, tried to con him. Remember we read that in Nehemiah chapter 6. They tried to con him to come down. Uh, they, they wanted to, to divert him. But the Bible says Satan is the father of all lies. Nehemiah tells them, he says, I've been snitched on before, and I'll be snitched on again. Go tell the king, go tell Sonny, go tell all these things. Okay, but God has commissioned us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. I have a job to do. We have to rebuild the walls. And nothing is going to divert me. Nothing. And that's the kind of attitude we have to have. Our head and our minds like a flint. God has called Victory Outreach Hayward to do a work. And we can't veer from it. We've got to stick to it. We can't let the enemy and all the lies mess with us. Look at Mark chapter 5 as I get close to closing. Mark 5, 36. Somebody once said who, somebody who had achieved a lot of things in Christianity, he says, the road to success is paved with critics. How many know that? The road to success. How many know you're on the road to success? It's uphill all the way. 
but it's also paved with critics. Look at Matthew 5.36. Mark, 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 Mark. Man, I remembered again. Those of you that are here for the first service. Huh? Yeah, yeah, Mark 5.36. Look at verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some men came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue ruler, their daughter, your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Ignoring what they said, Jesus told the synagogue ruler, don't be afraid, just what? Believe. See, they came and they told, hey, Jairus' daughter's dead. Huh? And what does, what does Jesus do? He ignores their words. Later on, you read the scripture there, he goes on and he raises Jairus' daughter from the dead. What a great miracle. Huh? And uh, he's raising somebody from the dead. Jairus' daughter. But what did he do? He ignored the critics. Who do you think you are? Huh? You're dealing with people that only get happy on the 1st and the 15th, by and large. The only time they're smiling is, you know, welfare. Ah. Uh, you got to ignore this stuff sometimes. Ah, uh, you got you got to sometimes faith puts cottons in its ear. That's what faith has to be sometimes. They'll say this, they'll say that, they say it can be done, they'll say all kinds of stuff, but we just got to throw them for us. Sorry, bro. Man, look at this, look at that. But what happened? God did a miracle right after that because he ignored them. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You can't listen to, to the critics all the time. You can't listen to, to all this, you know, the things that are trying to veer us from, from what God has called us to do. We've got to stay focused. Nehemiah understood that principle. And you and I must as well. See, a corporate man like Nehemiah will not be swayed. He will not allow the enemy to trick him from coming down from his great work. And us as well, my friend. We're involved in a great work within Victory Irish Ministries. The great work of, of, of reaching Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the world. We must be purposeful and we have to be consistent. We cannot allow the enemy to trick us with his lies. Ah. Talk about Satan's lies. Because ah. he's going to lie to us. Well, hey, if he's going to talk to us, I've always told you, if the devil's going to talk to you, talk back to him. And if you don't, I will right now. I'll talk back for you. See, see this devil? This is what God did for us. And there's more. This is just the tip of the eye. This is just the beginning. There's more where this came from. And we want you to go back to where you came from. And where you're going to spend eternity at. Hell. Uh, don't just sit there talk back to the devil. Uh, we need to do that. We need to understand that. We're involved in a great work. And we need to understand that. See, Adam and Eve... They got hit and they were beguiled by the enemy to come down from their great work. The enemy tricked them. They came down from their great work. Jesus was also tempted to come down from his great work. What was his great work? The cross. They will try to get him to come down ah, from Calvary's hill. But he didn't. Jesus stayed on until he was able to finally say, It is finished. He dotted every I. He crossed every T. He dotted every I, he crossed every T. Victor Eric Hayward, we have to learn to dot every I and cross every T. Ah, we got to be consistent and not give in and not give up. Jesus was able to make the transition uh, of all transitions from the throne 
to the cross. Nehemiah went from cupbearer to contractor. Uh, we need to go, a lot of us have to go from contractors to cupbearers. We know what it is to, to hit a hammer. We know what it is to work down here. But a lot of us, we've got to learn to deal with, you know, higher echelon of society kind of people as well. If we want to do these things, we've got to learn to do that. We've got to learn to talk, you know, not just out of the side of our neck. We've got to learn to talk, you know, the righteous lingo. I say, old chop, pass the tea, please. Proper English. I mean, I know what it's like to be in Dublin, Ireland and be the only person of this color. In Dublin, Ireland. Uh, and again, I can't be over there like, hey, what's going on? Uh, Cheech and Chong, Holmes. No, can't do that. I know what it's like. And God has called us to the world, people. And we've got to learn to be ready for that stuff. We've got to learn to be docile. And we've got to learn to bend. Nehemiah understood that. He was able to make the transition. Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, finished his course. Look at 2 Corinthians 8. Then I'm going to be closing. 2 Corinthians 8, verses 10, 11, and 12. 2 Corinthians 8. Powerful portion of scripture right here. 2 Corinthians 8, beginning in verse 10. It says there, Paul's writing... The church in Corinth, he says, I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your what? Love, by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. So that you through your... Oh, I was reading verse 8. I forgot. Now verse 10. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give but also to have the desire to do so. Now, finish the work. Nehemiah, finish the walls. Victory Outreach, rebuild the walls of the inner cities of this world. You are just brushing the surface. We have only just begun to fight. We've set a pretty good foundation and platform, but we're just getting going. The new gang members, God's anointed now generation, are on their way, hallelujah. And us of the never generation, we're never going to give up. Uh, but we're just getting going right here. Finish the work so that your eagerness, your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. In other words, finish what you start. Be consistent. See, to Nehemiah's credit, he didn't come down. He worked the job on to completion. Nehemiah didn't really do things exceptional, but he did things consistent. Nehemiah wasn't necessarily great. He just did small things in a great way. That's what he did. He wasn't a great person, but he just did things in a great way. The small things. Uh, and us as well. That's why I had the title, Jack and Jill uh, should be on the hill still because they should still they shouldn't have come down jack shouldn't have fell down and broke his crown and jill shouldn't have come tumbling after jesus went to calvary and he stayed there nehemiah went up to the top and he says hey i am involved in a great work i'm not going to come down geshem i'm not going to come down sambal and tobiah uh-uh. 
Your wife calls and says, you got to come home. Leave the home right now. Now, you got to go back to your mama your, the right way. you got to get ready. you gotta, you got to come back and really take care of business. But a lot of times the devil will do that to try and get our guys out of the home, a woman out of the home. Uh, you got to say, uh-uh. uh-uh. God's called me for something. Should such a man as I run, no way, hon. Oh, no. If you want to see Big Daddy, then you got to come to the 11 o'clock service, and then you got to stay for a visit, Afterwards, uh, but I'm taking care of my father's business right now. And if you want to go with Sancho, you'll lose a good thing. Ah, uh, yeah. You know where I'll be. Two six seven forty seven, Huntwood and Schaefer. If you want to see me, ah, uh, listen, we gotta we gotta be like that. Nehemiah said, uh, uh. Read my hips. They ain't going nowhere. They ain't leaving. Man, should such a man as I run? No way. I don't have an identity crisis. I know who I am. I ain't paranoia. I ain't schizophrenic. I know who I am because God tells me who I am. I am a son of the living God. I got a job to do. I got a purpose and a reason in life. Uh-uh. If just one person changes their life because of me, it was worth it all. And tell your wife, and honey, I hope it's you. Uh, I hope it's you. Uh, then once you graduate, then you go home. Uh, and you pray for Sancho, hallelujah. Uh, see, Jesus didn't come down off the cross. Nehemiah didn't come down. Adam and Eve ran. And you know the story. You know the results. But look at the results of Jesus standing on the cross. Uh, I have a sermon, I'm going to finish with this, called The Vantage Point. The Vantage Point has to be, it talks about Porkchop Hill. Uh, you ever heard of Porkchop Hill in the, in, the, in the service? The army? I mean, during the service, man, they're always looking for, for strategic places. Vietnam, they had different mountains that they had to conquer. They had to go take those hills in order to have the, a better vantage point to see the enemy. Well, the greatest hill ever conquered was Calvary Hill. That was a heavy vantage point. He could see the enemy real good. And he conquered it. Uh, and same with us. Remember, we have a vantage point. We got a heal we got to conquer. See, Jesus was a soldier under command. He was at his post at the cross. He didn't leave his... He was not a sissy. He was not a cha-cha. He could have come down. The Bible says he could have called a thousand angels. Would have came down and dusted those Roman centurions, Roman soldiers in a hot second. But he was at his post. He didn't come down because he was thinking about you and me. The love of God constrains us. I like what Lenny one time said. He says, it wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was his commitment. He had a job to do. Matter of fact, remember the centurion, the, the soldier that was in charge of Jesus? He ended up getting saved. What did he say? Surely, this was the Son of God. Why did he know this? Because it took a soldier to notice another soldier. If this was a man under commands, he could have left his Calvary Hill. He could have left his pork chop hill, but he stayed there. He spotted it. Well, hey, Private Ryan's, you're called front and center.
to report to King Jesus tonight. We don't want him to have runners. I've said it before. This ministry has a heritage. Now, we've been here 18 years. But many powerful men and women of God have sat where you're sitting. And there's more where that came from. Uh, but you, that's why we need sermons like this. That come from here, right here. Yes, God's word and knowledge, but also sermons from the heart. God wants you to be a soldier under command. I want every head bowed. And every eye closed. Private Pineda. Reporting as ordered, sir. Private Pineda. Reporting as ordered, sir. It's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord.